So, Michelle, how do you feel about a single mum? I feel like single mothers rule the world. Well, how about a story about a single mum who wound up being a spy? Even better, because we all know that single mums, not only can they multitask, mm-hmm. they're also good at taking care of children, a.k.a. spies. Yeah, definitely. We're all kids. We're just big yeah. kids running around having an adventure. Well, this is an incredible story about a single mum from New Zealand who became central to one of the biggest espionage cases in Australian history. It involved not just her, two Russian spies, a possible dead body hanging from a tree in a golf course, multiple tradecraft adventures, and, and I really like this, a honey trap. It even had a honey trap in it. This is an amazing story. You had me at two dead spies, I'm in. No, they're not dead spies. It's a dead body in a golf course. That's totally oh. different. <laughs> I, I just said spies, dead bodies, golf course, honey trap. I'm in with all of it. Look, this is so big, it's going to be a two-parter, so we should just jump right in. Okay, let's unpack. You're listening to I Spied, the hairdryer of Australian intelligence. I'm just windswept and interesting. No, it's the hairdryer, and you're not interesting. Oh, that's what my wife says. Hello and welcome to I Spy. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan. And once again, I come at you from my homemade, well, I'd like to say it's a fort. It's a little less fort-like and a little sadder than that. I'm under a blanket, can't move my head. It's kind of like a bivy, isn't it? Like a little lean-to, a blanket lean-to. Yeah, and I feel like we're in day, what is it, of the hostage situation, also known as the lockdown. That's right. Well, I've actually extended my blanket fort. It's now a blanket tower. I feel like if we were to go over to your house, which we're not allowed, of course, but if we were, there'd be yes. some kind of massive construct with blankets and PVC piping and just incredible. It's, it's even got its own lighting system. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Now, look, let's talk about this woman. Okay. Now, her, her name was Kay Marshall. Okay. Yep. She was a single mum working in the British High Commission in New Zealand back in 1958. She'd been recently divorced, so she was looking for a job, and that was the job she got. She was working as what's known as a locally engaged staff, right? So what? she was working for the embassy, but she was a New Zealand citizen. Well, one day while she's working there, this guy called Everly Lutsky. That's right. Evely Lutsky walked up to her and asked her out on a date. He asked her to go to a concert with her. The thing was, he was a Russian diplomat, and all of the people at the embassy knew this. So they basically turned around to her and said, look, we think he's trying to recruit you. You may want to go and talk to your local intelligence service, which he did. She talked to the New Zealanders and basically said to them, look, I will make sure that this guy doesn't come up to me. I'll give him the brush off, to which the New Zealanders went, oh, no, no. We want you to go out with him. We want you to go to the concert. But not only this, we want you to convince him that you've fallen for him. Ooh. Yeah. Now, she was not interested in Everly in any way whatsoever, but she decided, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Well, this guy was trying to honey trap her. She managed to honey trap him. This is the one thing about the honey trap. I don't understand. Like, seriously... To be a spy, you have to be a pretty good actor because I don't understand how you can pretend to fall in love with someone and and kind of convince them for years in some cases that you are in love with them when you probably can't stand the person. Look, you know what? I think there's a lot of marriages based on that. (laughs) 
Are you just not talking mine. About marriage in general? <laughs> <laughs> marriage in general. I think a lot of marriages are based on the. Oh my it's god, I can't. Life. I can't stand you, but you know what? It's too difficult to change horses now. I just better pretend. No, yeah. but here's the thing that was really interesting: was uh, honey traps do work back in the like back in the Berlin days when it was like in the Cold War. The Russians used to have they used to call them ravens, who were these really good looking guys that would go out and try to seduce these women working in embassies at, mm. in Berlin. So it works. The thing was, it worked backwards. Now let me put it this way: Kay Marshall. She was pretty easy on the eye. Yeah, right? I've seen a picture. She looks quite hot. I'm. I'm yeah, I will. I will post the photo. She's got that real. You know that sort of. There are these those dark haired, dark eyed yeah. New Zealand women. They just oh, they make my heart palpitate. And she was one of those. She was quite beautiful, very statuesque. You know, and the thing was, for two years, Lutsky believed that she was in love with him. And the great thing about that was the New Zealand Intelligence Service was then able to feed Lutsky all of this misinformation or disinformation. Right. Look, you know what? Misinformation and disinformation are two really complicated areas. And one of our listeners, uh, actually a neighbour of mine by the name of Narian, Narian's asked us to clarify that. We might do that in a bite-sized episode, the difference between misinformation and disinformation. I would have said they were the same thing, but anyway. No, they're not. They're not. But what they were doing was they were feeding him false information. They're sending him bad material. And the one thing that really sold it for him was she'd show up with documents with top secret stamped on the top. So, you know, once it's got top secret on the top, you know it's legit. So they had this they had this guy absolutely under their thumb. Now, what happened was two years later, Kay Marshall, it's said that Kay Marshall moved to Sydney because she was looking for greater opportunities. But there might be a little bit of a thing where New Zealand had said, look, we've done all we can with Kay over here. How about you take her over there and we'll see what the Russians do? Because as soon as she landed in Sydney... The Russians got in contact with her because they wanted her to meet another person in Sydney. Now, this is a really interesting thing. She was encouraged to go there, to come to Australia. And while she was there, uh, while she was here, she was asked, now you'll love this, they asked her to meet someone at Taronga Zoo. Now, to make the contact, she had to buy a newspaper called The Age. Ever heard of it? Yes, I have. It keeps coming up. Interestingly, the Russians like The Age. Dirty communist Weird. piece of newspaper that it was. Now, she had to fold it in such a way that the name could be seen, and then a man would ask her the way to Liverpool, and she was to tell him that he had to go through the park and take the ferry. So, she showed up. No one appears. She did this on multiple occasions until a man showed up and asked her the way to Liverpool, and she told him he had to take the ferry, and they walked through the park together. Now, there is footage of this. ASIO, oh yeah, ASIO were all over this like a red rash. They basically turned around and went, we are going to cover you from beginning to end. And there's like, there has been a documentary made recently exploring it by an incredible documentary maker by the name of Peter Butt. And it's called Last Rendezvous. If you can find it, have a look. And also ASIO used the footage from all of their surveillance operations in training videos. And there is one, you can find it on YouTube. We'll talk about that in the next episode of this one. But for now, I will let you know that I will be posting that link. It's absolutely hilarious. So anyway, she meets this guy at Taronga Park Zoo. The man was was known as Ivan Skripov. Okay. 
Right. Now, Ivan Skripov was the first secretary of the Russian embassy in Canberra. Now, that's a really big deal. This guy is basically one under the ambassador, and he's out doing tradecraft, doing a meet and greet with a potential source. So this guy walks up and starts talking to her. Now, he was what was known as the legal resident. So he was an intelligence asset that was inside the embassy. So the other thing this was really important was after Petrov, the Petrov defection back in 1954, the Russians hadn't had anyone in the embassy for six years. They actually pulled their entire diplomatic staff out of Australia, severed all diplomatic ties, and Skripov was one of the first people to come back when they reopened the embassy. Right. Right. So ASIO thought Skripov was probably an intelligence officer, but they decided what we're going to do is leave him alone for a year, not try any operations against him and see what he does. And he travelled to Sydney quite a lot. And he went to all the tourist sites. He went to Taronga Zoo, obviously. He went to the Sydney Harbour Bridge. He went to Coogee, or as they called it in the video, Coogee. I know. Coogee is a very WA way of pronouncing it. Yeah. Or back in the 60s, Australian English way of pronouncing it. The other place he went was a, a cemetery in the eastern suburbs. He went to all these different places for no real apparent reason. Okay. It all became very apparent after he met Kay Marshall. Now, Kay Marshall was given an operation name. Her name was, get this, Sylvia. <laughs> okay. Sylvia. Two sixties. Hi, Sylvia. How are you going? I'm having a terrible day. I'm being hassled by Russian spies. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, Sylvia. Yeah, I'm being hassled by Russian spies. Hey, bro. Hey, check it out. Yes. Choice. Yeah, bro. Right. Now- Ivan introduced himself, or Skripov, introduced himself as John, and that was the only name she ever had for him. Azio did not tell her his name or his role. It's best for her to know him only as John. That way she doesn't slip and call him Ivan. All right? Okay. So, so John anyway, and Sylvia. So we have John and Sylvia. Now, Skripov started to train Marshall in tradecraft, in spy tradecraft. The first and most important were secret messages, and he did that with Invisible Ink. There were these things he called the Teresa letters. Now, he'd given her at one of their meetings, and again, all of these meetings were filmed. At one of their meetings, he gave her a kit for uh, reading secret messages, for basically bringing out Invisible Ink. Now, if ever she got a letter that was signed Teresa, there was going to be a message hidden in it with invisible ink. Now, four letters were sent. Four letters, and during those those four times, she was sent to various locations in Sydney to pick up objects. Now, again, ASIO knew all about this. So one time she was at the Macalone Steps in Woolloomooloo, one of those great long steps from yep. Clay Street down into Woolloomooloo. She, uh, underneath uh, a metal rail plate, there was this container. Inside the container was a little message. Now, the thing was, ASIO didn't open it. They didn't want to read the message because they realized it was booby-trapped. If And if you opened it, if you tampered with it at all, it would wipe the message. Oh. So they left it. Now, this is a really important thing. These were tests. They were testing it. They essentially turned around and went, what we're going to do is, you know, Skripov would have gone, I'm going to put this out there and see if she's uh, a plant. So they gave her the message. She would then take the message and place it where she was instructed to place it, another dead drop, and then Skripov would pick it up and see if it had been interfered with. Now, ASIO were really smart. They went, let's not interfere with these things. So basically, Skripov was beginning to believe that, yeah, this woman 
is beginning to be a great messenger for me. Right. Now, there was another one, and this became quite famous within ASIO, the, the water meter cover under the bridge at the south end of Sydney Harbour Bridge. In the park there, there's a beautiful grass area. He instructed her to go and look under this water meter cover, and sure enough, there was a magnetic case with another one of these messages in it. That water meter cover now sits in the ASIO Museum. <laughs> I love that there's an ASIO Museum. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can we just talk about the fact that um, invisible ink is actually a thing? It's a, it's something that you dream about when you're a child, invisible ink, but the yeah. fact that it's actually a thing, is it used today? Oh, most certainly it would be. Right, I mean, we've got – the great thing is we have all of this ability to uh, – to move stuff electronically. Mm. But again, that is so easy to be spotted, particularly when you when you look at things like the the software that the Israelis, was it Pegasus, the Pegasus software? Yeah. That sort of thing makes uh, electronic messaging quite complicated and, and dangerous. Whereas, yeah, invisible ink, the old tricks are still the best tricks. Old style tradecraft cannot be beaten because things like invisible messages are really, really hard to crack. Right, and the there is a video of uh, the, this film that they put together, ASIO put together, produced by ASIO. Um, this film that they did, the training video, has her actually going through the process of bringing the message out, and it involves steam, it involves swabbing the the paper with a, a chemical that, if you get on your skin, will turn your skin purple. Right. So, oh yeah, and it's not just it's not just lemon ju- lemon juice and a candle. This stuff is full on. It's like real high tech. Two different chemicals have to be combined. It's all very technical. Yeah, right. Um, and that was the, that was the other thing is by giving her these multiple letters, it taught her how to actually read them. All right, it, it made sure her tradecraft was up to skill. Now it all came down to the fourth letter. The fourth letter sent her to a uh, cemetery in the eastern suburbs where. Under a grave, it's like there was a sort of little concrete wall surrounding a grave with a cavity underneath it. So essentially, all of these tours that Skripov had done around Sydney for the first year of his posting, he was looking for dead drops. Yeah. So he'd found all of his dead drops. He sent her there. She took this thing out and inside it was a passport, a Canadian passport. Now, the thing was the photo in the passport was gone and there was a separate photo included with the passport that wasn't attached to it and a passport faking kit. So essentially a kit that would allow somebody to take the photo that was supplied with the passport, Mm -hmm. stick it to the passport and they have that passport. Now, to this day, that man has never been identified, though ASIO suspect he would have been an illegal living in Australia somewhere. So a KGB illegal agent, somebody who'd been in Australia for five, maybe 10 years, living a normal life, waiting to be activated as an illegal intelligence officer or intelligence asset. Right. So what they did is they unwrapped this parcel because it wasn't the normal message. They unwrapped it. It wasn't booby trapped. They went right through it all. They found out all the information they had, and then they folded it all back up gave it to Sylvia, Sylvia took it to John, Skripov has his passport ready to go. So basically, Skripov realized that this woman was the number one messenger for him in the country. Now, how long do you think this process would have taken? Ooh, a few months, I would suspect. Try 18 to two years. What? Yeah. 
it wow. takes well i mean if you look at the normal vetting process to get somebody into an intelligence organization it can take anywhere from 6 to 9 months to get yeah. you through that process now imagine trying to do that with a random person that you've been whose details you've been given by another embassy in another country and you've got to make sure that she a isn't being followed and b is not being played against you and Very the thing was detail oriented aren't they yeah very detail-oriented, and you take a long, long time to do this. So there we go. We've got – we have – Sylvia is ready to go. We're waiting for the big score, and Skripov – and it was interesting. Skripov basically would have many meetings with her, and they'd meet it uh, in places like Kuji, Cremorne. There was one time when they went to, to the movies in Chatswood together. Again, all of this is being filmed. Yeah. Right? And, Asia, and he did not know this. No. He didn't know it. He was that confident that he was on top of this. He basically, and again, over the period of time, the messages haven't been interfered with. She's doing the job. She's not asking questions. She was in, like, basically the attitude towards Kay Marshall was she was just, like, the gun. Like, New Zealanders loved her. Australia, ASIO absolutely adored her. She was regarded as one of the best intelligence assets we'd ever had and she's a single mum this rocks and also it goes to show that when you need a really cool australian get a new zealander uh yeah exactly so who exactly was taking care of the child during like surely this was pretty dangerous i would imagine for a single mum to take on yeah yeah it could be yes it was and we can get to that once we sort of we've got a few more hurdles to jump who would have been looking after the son her son was he would have been a teenager by now, so he probably was a bit of a latchkey kid. Yeah. There's not a lot talked about her son, which is understandable. But, you know, this is an incredible woman doing an exceptionally dangerous job. But when you watch the footage of her, mm. you really do look at her and go, you, you're you a natural. She's very attentive and very interested in everything that Skripov has to say. And, you know, Skripov, where she is, you know, you wouldn't kick her out of the concert for eating crackers. Um, Skripov is not the most attractive man in the world. And he's married and he has kids. But I don't think that was ever a part. I don't think it was ever a honey trap relationship. I think it was basically set up as you're a good friend. I like you. You're a nice friend and we can get on together. So anyway... Skripov calls yet another meeting with Kay Marshall and they have to meet. They're having a face-to-face meet where he's going to hand something off to her in Bondi Junction. This is uh, when you see the footage, you realize it's very close to Centennial Park. That's the other thing. When you watch all of this footage, you will sit there and go, hang on, I've been there. Right. So it's down on a street that ends near the fence uh, at Centennial Park. Now, he handed her a package. He called it her Christmas present, and it was a hairdryer. But inside the hairdryer was a small metal box. Okay. In this box, of course, ASIO, they took it off her. They had a look at it. Inside it, they found a message encoder. Now, it's a, a piece of technical equipment that you can plug into a radio transmitter. You basically have a small tape on the top that you turn by hand while pressing Mm -hmm. buttons. And there's only about eight to 10 buttons on the top of this. You press these buttons in a certain sequence. It sets up a code on this tape. You then rewind the tape and then play it by holding a button down and turning it by hand, turning it as quickly as you can. It sends out a message through your transmitter. Now, the transmitter burst could only last for 10 seconds. 
So it's very, very difficult to actually trace where this transmission is coming from. And when you hear it on air, it just sounds like garbled static. Right. So essentially, it was a really, really piece of high-tech kit. The thing that really made ASIO excited about it was a KGB illegal in the UK that had been identified had been found with one on his possession. This was a couple of years earlier. Right. So they realised whatever's going on, this is a piece of equipment that's going to go to a KGB illegal. So, all right, we've got KGB illegals. We've got high-tech equipment. We've got messages. We've got dead drops. We've got trade crowds. It's, it's really all exciting. Happening. It's all happening. Now, do you want to know where she had to take it? Uh, where? Have a guess. Go on, anywhere. Just have a guess. I don't know, like up an actual place? To an actual place. Okay. Um, Parramatta. <gasps> oh, no, even worse than Parramatta. She had to take it to Adelaide. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, and look, and to everyone in Adelaide, great town. I love it. Um, now, she had to take it to the Maid and Magpie Hotel in Stepney, which is just outside the city in Adelaide, where she had to wait outside this hotel for a man with swept back dark hair mm. carrying a black briefcase with two metal clasps. Right. right Now, ASIO were really interested. Now, could you imagine why people would be really, really interested in someone taking a piece of technology like that to Adelaide? Uh, yeah, I could imagine. Yes? What is it? Um, because all of a sudden we've got a KGB agent who is uh, able to communicate yes. in, in a small town outside of a metro setting. Now, what was going on in South Australia at the time in the 60s, through the 50s and 60s? A lot of churches. Yeah, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And we were setting off nukes in the desert. Oh, were we? Woomera. Oh, yes, of course. Right. So Woomera was going on. Now, we'd, we'd, you know, the Brits had blown up their bombs, but they were still using Woomera as a test site right. for um, weapons. Right. Okay. My, I, I remember my father in the Navy telling me, you know, I turned around to him one day when he got home from Albatross because dad was a pilot. And I said, oh, what did you do today? And he went, ah, oh, went and did a strafing run in Adelaide. <laughs> my first thought was, well, that's one way of dealing with Adelaide. But the other thing is that was a, a, a firing range. So they would fly their jets down to South Australia to Woomera, do strafing runs and then fly back via say, Avalon Airport back to Nowra, right. right? So it was a testing ground for weapons. And also there was scuttlebutt coming through the embassy that they were getting access to high-tech weapons in Australia. So obviously something is going on at Woomera. And obviously this communications device has got something to do with that. So Kay goes to the pub. Three days in a row, she goes to the pub. In those three days, no one shows up. Right. Now, this is a big thing. No one shows up, so she goes back to Sydney, and this is, again, all filmed. ASIO were all over the place. They had people dressed up as mechanics. They had people dressed up as mums with prams. They had cameras everywhere wow. filming this because they wanted to know who this guy was. They never did. Really? He never no. showed up? No, he never showed up. And that, that's where it all got really, really... I mean, ASIO thought, this is it. We've cracked the KGB illegal spy ring in Australia. We're onto it. And the guy never showed up. Or did he? There is a point that... And this is a point that we're going to bring up in the second episode where they may have identified the guy. There's possibly two people it might have been. Okay. Anyway. Is, it, is it a man who washed up on a beach who's unidentified? No, no, but it could have something to do with a man in a golf course hanging from a tree. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, okay, you're right, you're on it. Now, uh, now the thing is, Kay then had to go back to Sydney and she sent a message to Skripov, to John, saying, yeah, sorry, no one showed up. Yeah. John panicked and basically said, I need the hairdryer back. I want my hairdryer. <laughs> She's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm using it. When you see a photo of Skripov, he had very bouffanty hair, so I can understand why he'd right. want his, yeah, his, dry, his, his hairdryer back. Well, she didn't respond. She said nothing. Like right. ASIO said, that's it, you're out, done. Walk away. Why? So why? Because this they know something's going on, they can't prove it, and by him wanting that back, they now know he knows something's wrong. Right. Okay. And they don't want him to get this piece of tech back. It's an extremely complicated and expensive piece of technology, and for them to get it into the country is hard enough. They're not going to give it back to them. Right. Okay. So essentially, they basically went, we're going to give us the hairdryer. We're going to hold on to that. You are going to go to, yeah. And they turned around to Kay and went, how do you feel about San Francisco for a few years? Wow. That's- what did you say? She went, yeah, hell yeah. What, there are a whole bunch of Russians that might come looking for a hairdryer? I'm out of here. Right. So who would have thought that you got to spend the government's dime? You got to spend quite a few years in San Francisco all because of a hairdryer. Well, yeah, I mean, well, if you know anything about San Francisco, there is a large gay population, so it makes sense. Yeah, why not? Um, So here's the thing. They didn't know what to do about Skripov, so eventually the Chargé d'Affaires and the, uh, was it the First Assistant Secretary, I think it was, were called into foreign affairs where Mm -hmm. the foreign minister declared that Skripov was persona non grata for espionage activities in Australia. Right, He's so they got rid booted. of him. Yeah, they got rid of him. They booted him out. Would, the he thing have was, then, would he have then realised that Kay was working for the opposition? Well, I think he might have assumed that by then, and that, hence Kay gets moved to San Francisco for a right. few years. She did move back to Australia eventually. She passed away in 1992, highly regarded as one of the great intelligence stories of, the, of, of Australia. But that is the story of Sylvia and Kay Marshall. But we're only halfway through this tale. I, I am so into this. I can't wait for next week's episode. Well, we, I mean, how thrilling is this? There is a dead body involved in this, also a possible communist sympathiser. This one really gets out of the box. And we're going to look at that next week. And I'll also, after the episode next week, I will post the video for everybody. I but that's wait. it. That is, again, another example of just how great women spies are. I, I mean, you don't need to tell me. We're, we're f- fantastic at everything. Oh, well, I've always said that. That's why I'm happily married. Happily married, I'm not pretending. She's not listening. <laughs> she never does. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> 